Oh, what it must have been for that first marriage ceremony. That first Sabbath together. God had said it's, it's not good that man should be alone. And I agree. <laughs> you know, that night, that first Sabbath, that first day when God brought those two together, God wanted a marriage that would last forever. Amen. Do you believe that? God designed that that happy husband and wife would truly live happily ever after. Did you feel that way when you got married? I hope so. Did anybody feel that way? Yes. We were fully anticipating living happily ever after. Is that right? Absolutely. That's the only expectation I had. Were you expecting that? But something happened in that first marriage, didn't it? Did they live happily ever after? No. Not once sin entered the world. And I'd like to be able to tell you tonight that when we made that wedding vow to love and to cherish in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, for better or for worse, I'd like to be able to say that we've just lived happily ever after. Can't say that, can we, exactly? No, not be honest. (laughs) But I can tell you tonight that we are in love with our Savior and with each other, and it gets better every day. Amen. Now, we, it's kind of interesting. Elaine and I were rejoicing just a few days before she got this pretty blue cast. We were rejoicing about how God had taken us through the situation. Some of you know I... I left here last camp meeting with a broken shoulder and now have a, a, a nice lightweight titanium shoulder that's actually working pretty well. I praise the Lord for, for that and for the prayers. But we were just rejoicing just a few days before this bicycle accident where we were brought together <laughs> because we weren't looking where we were supposed to be looking and our bikes kissed. I, Rather, it would have been a kiss on the lips, but our bikes kissed, and we were both ejected off of our bikes. But (laughs) just a couple of days before that happened, we were rejoicing at how God had taken us, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, and how my dear wife had stood by me through this whole thing in my rehab program, and we were rejoicing that it was all over, and all the bills were paid. (laughs) Isn't that something to rejoice about? But I have to tell you that that day that we, um, March 21st, <laughs> that we, we launched, together. we drifted together and, and, and then didn't drift off of our bikes, but were launched off of our bikes. I can tell you because of the, the love that God has been putting in our hearts for each other and for him, 
that when I saw my, my dear wife went off of her bike milliseconds before I went off mine. And I want to ask you, you men tonight, who was I thinking about most? Thank you. There was a few out there. Her. I wasn't thinking about myself. Who do you think she was thinking about? Me. In fact, she was thinking so much about my shoulder. She was thinking more of my shoulder than she was of me, I think. <laughs> because, <clears throat> you know... It's the, all of you, dear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but she was so concerned about me, and I was so concerned about her. And as you can see, I had lots more reason to be concerned about her. <laughs> for better or for worse. In sickness and in health. Now I get the opportunity to take care of my dear wife. Now, what do you think, dear? I think it's great. It has been such a blessing. And I have gotten so much fun and so many giggles watching my husband fill my role. It's been a tremendous blessing because he's doing it with his whole heart. (laughs) I thought she was going to say... He's trying very hard. <laughs> no, he's, I am doing it with my whole heart. You're doing it with your whole heart, and he is so focused. I mean, I like fruit salad, and we usually have fruit salad every morning. And at first I was too, too weak and tired and not feeling good to even set the fruit out. So he would go, and, what do you want in your fruit salad? So I would say what, we, what I want. Of course, it's basically any fruit we had in the house. And he would get it and line it all up. He'd get the cutting board out, and he would... You know, start chopping. And then the one day I said, honey, it's better if you put the apple in last because it doesn't turn brown as quick and start with your oranges first, okay? <laughs> and so we had a few little lessons in, in uh, the freshness of fruit salad. <laughs> Absolutely. I've and, had a few lessons in a lot of things. <laughs> and it has really been fun. And, you know, let me ask you this question. We want your participation here tonight. Who do you think it's easier to care for a husband for his wife or a wife for her husband. In every line, do you agree with that? Would you agree with that, honey? Absolutely. Because when he couldn't comb his hair, that was no problem. His comb was right here. And I would simply put your head back, dear, and stun. Now, can you imagine when I said, honey... Well, you know, one thing i got to back up. It is a blessing that you do not have mirrors on the hospital wall. That's for a reason. You have to intentionally get up and go to another room to see yourself, okay? And at first, you don't have the strength to get out of bed. And they don't want you out of bed, at least without help. But anyway, and I don't even think they had a mirror in there either. It wasn't until we came around another little corner. No, they didn't even have one in there. But when I saw myself the first time, and of course I should already know, I mean, just get up in the morning, you already know what you look like, right? But now you've had, how many of you ladies take your shower, do your hair, and then you go on your bike ride? No. I mean, I'm going to do that after my bike ride, right? All those things to smell fresh and look nice. And so I started already at a disadvantage, and you go through all kind of things, and, you know, anyway. I saw my hair, and I said, honey, can you help me with my hair? And he did his very best, but I tell you what, even a beautician would have had problems helping me with my hair in that situation. 
But he's, it was just every direction. And, and now it's three days unwashed. It has been laying in a bed, you know, flat on one side and up on the other side. And he is, not, he is trying his very best, and he's getting my brush and getting water on it. <laughs> Wait till you hear what happened when he got the curling iron out. <laughs> Some of you have heard the stories about us getting the little, her, getting the little girls at three and four on the hamper. Ready and they for would church? start to scream when they saw the curling iron come out. <laughs> I didn't scream. She didn't scream. But he still has a little bit of limitation in his left shoulder. And we all know, right, it is a two-handed operation. There is no way. I'd like to meet somebody who could actually run a curling iron successfully with one hand. So he's, he's limited, and I'm totally limited. So we have two right hands, and we are not doing very good at all. And he finally said to me, after probably 10 minutes of attempting, and I say, honey, just, you know, you get a little bit of hair, and you kind of clip it on, and you kind of twist it down. And he did. He really tried his hardest. And I'm standing in front of the mirror, and I'm trying to give directions as this is happening. And it is not working, and the thing goes, wing! Another one goes a different direction. And because um, there is an art, there's order to curling hair as well, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I've never I, experienced it before. He finally said, honey, I'll tell you what, you are beautiful. And if I use this curling iron, either you're going to be burned or I'm going to be burned. So you're just beautiful enough. <laughs> just leave it right here. <laughs> just leave it right here. So we parked the curling iron for a few days. And then one day I thought, I need some help with my hair. I was feeling better, you know. When you feel better, you want to do something with yourself. So I went into the little beauty shop in town, and I asked them, could you please just give me a little body wave, you know, a little body perm? Because at least if I couldn't curl it, it would have some semblance of something better than just, you know, short, flat hair stuck to your head. (laughs) And I came out of there, and bless his heart, he was so kind. He said, honey... You look great. And I felt like Bozo. Because it, well, the, the, the beautician, bless her heart, if you've never, it, they're always at a disadvantage because they don't know what kind of hair you have. And then she's trying to, you know, do this. She's using the biggest, biggest rods they can on short little hair. And um, she's trying not to process it too long. And then it came out obviously much curlier than either one of us anticipated. It was not body, it was. She said, actually, you're right in style. It's retro right now. <laughs> and you're in the retro age. I said, I've already been through that. I'm on the other side of that. Anyway, he has been so gracious. And I just want to thank Carolyn Rain. Because I, I called her. I said, Carolyn, you've got, a, you've got a curly perm. And you know how to run an iron. So at every morning at 630, she's in my room faithfully helping to put it together. And she covers me with spray to try to hold it together for the whole day. (laughs) For better or for worse. So God allows us to have friends in that. But it is definitely easier for women to take care of men than men to take care of. Well, I have to tell you that I have provided her an enormous amount of what she calls, and what I've come to understand, is natural humor. Tonight, for example, before we came over here, 
She said, honey, I'm going to have to wear nylons tonight. I said, do you really have to wear those? <laughs> I mean, she said, I think you would rather have me wear those. But, so I said, okay, that's fine. I'll help you. So, you know, nylons, I figure, are like putting socks on. I have put socks on for years. So I get a hold of these things, and I put them over her feet, and I start pulling them up from the top. And they're very stretchy. And I'm just pulling and pulling and pulling. And she said, honey, you can't do that. <laughs> what do you mean you can't do that? <laughs> you got to start down at the bottom. So I found out tonight. It's the first time I've ever put those on her. <laughs> you have to start all the way down at the toes and move them up <laughs> gradually. And so. I'm thankful to say God did not give me more trial than what I could bear in his strength. So I do not have two broken arms. I only have one with two broken bones in it. So God is good. So with three hands, I'm together tonight. So Anyway, we want to talk about for better or for best. And we realize tonight that some of you here have wonderful marriages. And we are so happy for you. It can get better. And it's going to get better every day. And it's going to be, get better and better. And we're going to think it's the best it can be. But God just helps it, get it keep getting it better. And that's great. And we can learn. We can continue to learn and grow from the Word of God, can't we? And the tools He's given us to continue our marriages to grow. And we recognize some of you don't necessarily have a great marriage. And we know that there may be some here, not because we necessarily know you individually and some of the things you struggle with, but because we know humanity and we know by sheer numbers that there are people here tonight who are on the brink of a broken marriage. And we just want to say to you that God is well able... He can take the most broken condition, the most unbelievable tragedy in a marriage, and he can change it. He can put it together. He is the creator God who speaks and it is done. He is the God of miracles. He's the only one who can change hearts. And as long as we can breathe and have life in us, there is hope. So we do not want you to be discouraged tonight. We want you to know that wherever we find ourselves in this spectrum of marriage, whether it's worse or horrible or great or anything in between, or even the best, because today it should be the best it's ever been, right? That God is in the business of working with all our hearts to continue to take us to a higher experience, to a more intimate relationship with him and with one another. So please, listen and, and don't be discouraged. Don't feel like it's too late or it's, it's too bad or it's gone too far. And even if you have divorce papers served to you, it is not too late. In fact, recently... We just met a couple who who were divorced, who are now remarried and going all over again. Isn't that amazing? And almost always what causes us problems are little things. Not always. We know of some things that aren't little things that break down marriages. 
But for the most part, it's the little things that are left unresolved that grow bigger and bigger and bigger in the mind. And then in our emotions and our responses and then in our the breakdown of communication and it can go downhill from there. And for many people, when you ask, well, you know, when did it start or where did it start? They really have to think hard and they can give you present incidences, but they find it hard to know where it started because usually it starts with such little things. So whether you are in little issues or huge issues, there is nothing too hard for God. You know, a lot of what's happening in today's society, and we are influenced by, by the world we live in, even if we're living in the country, but we live in a society that it's a very disposable, throwaway society. It's all around us. And we see it because of the, the kind of work that we do and the, and the kind of ministry and how often we get to touch and connect with marriages that are struggling. It is the eroding away of the commitment to marriage. We made a vow before God and man, before witnesses, before family and friends, that we would love and honor and cherish until death do us part. And we can come up with all kinds of reasons when self is, is in the driver's seat. We, we have uh, terms that we call the me focus or the us focus. And many of you here know that in the first six months of our marriage, we had some major problems in our marriage. And those major problems came because we didn't recognize it. We were in love with each other, but we didn't recognize that I loved me better than I loved her when it came down to conflict. And I wanted my way and she wanted her way. That's called the me focus. And when the me focus is in operation, the us does this. It starts to separate. And the commitment begins to erode away. And I'll never forget, when I talk about commitment, I'm talking about till death do us part. And I'll never forget a couple that we worked with in the hospital. It doesn't matter what hospital it was, but back in our early years of marriage. And they had an accident together. And when she came out of that accident, she was diagnosed as being paralyzed from the waist down. And the first time he came to visit her after the diagnosis, she's her laying, husband. the husband comes to visit her in the hospital after the diagnosis. He stands at the end of her bed and he said, I can't live with you like this. And he walked out, and that was the end of their marriage. That's heartbreaking. We knew these people. We, it, it was unbelievable to us. We knew what we went through in the first six months of our marriage, but what we knew in the midst of all that is divorce is not an option. And by God's grace, when you have that mindset, you work through things that many people give up so easy on marriage because they don't have that in the foundation of their minds with the Lord. We give up too easy. We know people, something goes wrong in the marriage and there's an emotional strain or there's, there's a change and they say, you don't, you don't fulfill me anymore. 
So I've got to get my fulfillment somewhere else. Where's the commitment in that, brothers and sisters? Where is the commitment to the marriage vow? I've had men say to me, well, there's nothing left. There's no more feelings. There's no more love. I said, yes, there is something left. There is a covenant between you and God. And your wife. And a covenant between you and your wife before witnesses. You have made a commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for emotional or unemotional, in sickness and in health, till death be apart. There is something left. Don't lose it. We give up too easy, friends. And that's one of the main reasons that we begin to go into our own corners and we don't come out except for a fight. We need to come out of our corners with a willingness to move from the me focus and that life revolves around me and my pleasure and my happiness. I have found great pleasure, and I can say this, I have found great pleasure in serving my wife. And some humor as as well, okay? Because I do move very slowly and I do one thing at a time. Sometimes I forget to shut the cupboard doors. And she reminds me before I hit my head on them. (laughs) But I do love the opportunity to serve my wife. Not just because she served me with what I went through, but because marriage is about giving ourselves to each other. And I'll tell you something. If you've ever heard this before, I cannot, cannot outgive my wife. Now, I've never tried to do this intentionally, but I tell you, the more I give to my wife, the more it's the us focus, the more I get back. And you know, I've dealt with many men who are very selfish, and I've said to them, if you want to have the most fulfillment in your marriage that you've ever had, quit trying to have your way all the time. Quit trying to focus on what makes you happy If you want to really have a happy marriage, start focusing on the us in your marriage and start thinking about what can make a difference in your wife's life. And you will find some very interesting things happen about how she begins to meet your needs. Now, don't do it from selfishness, but I tell you, it will revolutionize your marriage. And it works both ways. It has to work from the wife to the husband as well. Absolutely. Because women are just as selfish and just as self-focused as a man can be. We just and, and different issues are different realms at times. But we need to be willing to get our eyes off ourselves and look what we can do to make the marriage a pleasant place to be, a happy place to live, a loving, kind, gentle, warm relationship. That's what God wants it to be and so many other words to describe it. So we have a question for you. We have a whole marriage series, and I know that we've done bits and pieces of it through the years here. And then a year ago, last year, Oklahoma Camp Meeting, we brought a book called For Better or For Best. How many people, I'll just say, I won't ask how many people got the book. I'm going to say, how many people have read the book? Can we just see your hands? Okay, just a few. Wow. Okay, very good. Just a few. Well, I want to share with you. Is that very good if it's just a few? Well, it's very good because we have a very honest group of people here. I'm not going to ask if you got the book. Like a lot of times we get inspired, we get a book, and then we get it home. What do we do? Like we do a lot of things. We set it aside, right? Until it's convenient. We get back into real life. We forget about it. Well, we just want, we're going to touch little pieces from that book here tonight. And we can't cover a whole book in, in 40 minutes, okay? So we're not even going to try. But I want to share with you a little testimony about a lady that we know who is a Christian woman. She's a Bible-believing Christian woman. 
and she got the book, not for herself in her marriage, but because she was getting it for a friend who asked her to get it and bring it to her. This lady's husband who purchased the book, the Christian lady, her husband is an agnostic. So she didn't think that she needed the book because it's going to be all about what I've heard you guys talk about and it's God in everything. And my husband basically, he's not going to be interested. And so she didn't even want to buy the book because she thought, well, I mean, you know, sometimes we ladies, we get books and we read them, we get all hopeful. And then if the husband's not interested, it's kind of deflating, you know. And for whatever reason, she didn't feel the need to get a book. But now she has a book in their home, getting ready to take it with her on a trip to deliver it to a friend. And her husband saw the book and he picked it up. For better or for best. We put worse on there, but we crossed off worse because we can have a marriage be good, better or best, or worse according to our own choices. Amen. It's not what other people do. It's not what other people say. It's all about these two people right here, or those two people, or those two people, or any couple. It's our choice how our marriage goes. It's nobody else's fault. And so... He picked it up, for better or for best, that that title caught him, and he started to read the book. And she kind of sat back, you know, thinking, it's going to go on the table, back on the counter any time now, because he's an agnostic. And he has never apparently showed a lot of interest in these kind of things, Christian material. And he didn't put the book down. And he read, and he read, and he read. Not only did he read, but he got out some paper, and he started writing notes. And then he put it on a, some kind of a nice cardstock or piece of paper or something, and he stuck the notes that he had taken from the book, he stuck it on top of his dresser where it would be in his view every day when he went to his dresser. And he went through the entire book. He told her, she told me, he could hardly put the book down. And she says, I got to tell you, wow, what a difference that has made in our marriage. And she's kind of feeling bad. She got a book, by the way. But she was so shocked because God is not hidden in the book. God is the only way that any of us can have a happy marriage. And it's very clear through the entire book. He was not offended. He was not put off because what was said there was so basic, so real to life, so simple and so practical, because it's all from here, put into real modern-day terms and experiences, that he found it a tremendous blessing. And they have a marriage that's growing, even though they have a major difference in spiritual things. So God can use anything. He wants to use us in our marriages. And so we want to share with you one of the examples from the book that took place in those first few months of marriage. It was um, actually around Christmas time, and I invited, we were invited to our radiology Christmas party. Okay, And so I was excited about taking my wife to the Christmas party. Okay? I was really excited about it, and so we got there, and what happened, dear? 
Well, I was excited, and I have to say, this was probably about eight months into our marriage, so we had been through some of our hardest times already, and we were just starting the slow climb out of near disaster, okay? We are on the slow climb out. We were making some progress. I, I was excited about going to his unit, his, his department at his party, and of course, you know, they wanted to make it really nice. All the radiologists put it on, and they wanted to have it really nice. It was a formal dinner in the evening, and they had linen tablecloths and crystal and, you know, it wasn't paper or anything there, and it, it was very nice. And so when we came into this room with the festive setting of Christmas time and the beautiful music and all the decorations and all the people he works with, we had assigned places at the table. So we found our names and we sat down at the table. They were the big round ones. You get about eight people around. And directly across from us just so happened to be seated one of Tom's previous girlfriends. I didn't have anything to do with the seating. And because of some of the early struggles in our marriage that we were just climbing out of and, and starting to recover from, I already, ladies, started to feel a bit intimidated. Now, is that about an us or is that about a me? It's about me, right? And I responded to that. And I'm not proud of that, but I did respond. But I sat down and I was just going to, you know, gonna ha- I really wanted to have a fun evening together because actually... Sometimes some of our greatest conflict came from associating with previous friends from his, his life or previous friends from my life because we didn't necessarily have the same circle of friends because we worked different shifts, different departments in the hospital. And so anyway, the dinner started and it was nice. And of course, we had other people at the table. And being that far across, it's hard to carry on a conversation. You tend to speak to the people closest to you. And we were just enjoying the evening. And the next thing that happened is the the girl on the other side of the table, she started speaking loudly with comments directed at him. And they were to get a laugh, and people at the table were laughing, and I was feeling, oh boy, you know, I don't want to do this. And anyway, he he then started to respond to these comments. That that was a mistake. (laughs) It was a big mistake. But you didn't think so that night. No, I didn't think that night because I didn't understand, really didn't understand at that point in our marriage about foolishness and joking, and that came a little later. Yeah, and so that was very much still a part of his character, and it was part of her character. And not that it wasn't part of my character, but, you know, I wasn't... Not in that setting. Not in that setting. I really wasn't really appreciating, you know, this... And pretty soon, they're, they're bantering back and forth, you know, going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm kind of like trying to give him some subtle hints, you know. We hadn't gotten our system down at that point because we'd had a lot of conflict. So after we got out of the conflict, later on we got a system down so that she can kick me in the leg. <laughs> and I know exactly what that means. <laughs> so we hadn't, or squeeze the knee. Or squeeze the knee. We, we hadn't developed that system at that point. So when she was trying to get my attention, it wasn't working. No, because she, the other girl had his attention. And, and anyway, it went on and on. And so I don't know what happened exactly, but... My husband, peas was on the menu. I do remember that. Peas were on the menu. We all remember that. (laughs) And he picked up a pea off his plate, and he just snapped it, just flicked it. I just flicked it at her. To try to get her to be quiet. 
That was a mistake too. That was a very serious mistake. And let's just say it landed in, in a position on her body that was not a, an appropriate position to land. And she just made sure everybody at the table and any close proximity to our table knew what had just happened. That's one of the reasons she wasn't still my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I was embarrassed. I was hurt. And I also got angry. Because those emotions, they line up really quick. And I just wanted to get out of there. And the thing was, he wasn't in a hurry. I couldn't understand. Now, we have to understand this happened... A long time ago. Almost 32 years ago. Yeah. Okay? It has been 32 years this past Christmas. That's right. It would have been more than 32 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I did not understand these things. I did not understand the me focus like we understand it today. And so I could not understand why this would affect my wife this way. I mean, what's the problem? I mean, okay, so it was an accident. I'm sorry, you know, but it's no big deal. Well, I thought it was a big deal. Anyway, we left, and as quick as we could, as gracefully as we could. Yeah, you were very graceful until we got out in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, God, he has a lot of work to do still in me, but he had a lot of work to do in me. Oh, you're actually wonderful. I'm learning. So anyway, it was, it was a, a, a struggle, for me, and you know what we recognize. I mean, we like I said, we were kind of starting our ascent out of the disaster zone, and this was one more opportunity the devil made good good use of, right, to try to to destroy us. And praise God, the devil doesn't get the credit. God, because that the night credit. was another one of those. You know, we all have these things that happen, and we've shared over the years different things, but that night was one of those situations that was a new growing experience especially for me instead of spending the rest of the night fighting over the situation that happened and trying to convince her how narrow-minded it is that you can't have fun at a radiology christmas party that that could have been what happened in the me focus but that night we both transitioned out of the me focus, and I started really listening. I started asking her, so what is it? Tell me what, what hurt you about this? I mean, to me, it was just fun. Yeah, I'm sorry that that happened, but what? And I listened. That's what happens when you start to move into the us focus in a marriage that you want to be better and best, is instead of putting all your energy into making your argument strong and fighting to the you know until you can't talk yeah i wanted to really understand you Mm -hmm. and did it make a difference it made a huge difference and for us as women when we have feelings that are hurt and we're going to be talking about this we need when when my husband said honey i really didn't mean to i mean i don't know why i picked it up i just just trying to get her to be quiet you know and you know and so he just didn't say anything just flicked the pee i needed to accept that Instead of feeling like 
it was a deliberate thing to hurt me. So we were both learning that night. So we want to talk about the importance of respect. I know it's been touched on here already. But we really need to develop respect for our spouse. This is an area that we cannot overemphasize because we, we have the privilege and opportunity to deal with so many issues in marriage, real-life things. And I don't care how long people have been married, there have been many, many experiences where, where the, the husband and the wife do not understand the, the, what happens in the me focus practically and what happens in the us focus practically. They've never... It's, it's all about self. It's all about getting my way. It's all about you understanding my perspective, see it my way, but you've got two people. <laughs> Whose way are we going to see it? And, and allowing ourselves to change. In this verse, Philippians 2, 3, you think about this in light of, of what happened that night for us. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Let's interpret that for a moment. When there's a situation that happens like what happened at that table that night, what, what needed to happen was to get the strife out of the picture and get my glory, her glory, that means her way, my way, out of the picture. But in lowliness, that means dying to my way. Okay? I don't have to get it my way. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other, how? Better. Better than who? Themselves. Me. If, I'll tell you, try this sometime. Try it tonight if you need to before you go to bed. I hope you won't need to. But try this. The next time you get into something where you feel the strife rising in you, and you feel the self rising in you, that's vain glory. The Holy Spirit, I hope the Holy Spirit will call to you like he does to me. He does. He calls to He'll call, us. okay, to esteem the other in this fight that's developing better than me. That means switch gears and listen. Okay, I, I really want to understand you, honey. That's what I did that night, honey. I really want to understand why did this P event bother you so much. To me, it was just nothing. I found out why. And that night I entered in and I esteemed her better than myself. And honestly, by the end of the night, I understood completely why she felt that way. And it ended up really nice. Yeah. And, and also, I think that was a big turning point for you oh, getting into the... Getting out of the foolishness. Yeah. So respect. Respect your spouse. If we treat them with respect, they will be respectful back to us. You know, it's often how we treat our spouse and what we tell our spouse is what they really become. It's what they hear. So if we just speak negative things and we tell them, you don't do this and you're this way and I don't respect you because of this and that and the other thing, they simply will become what we keep telling them they are. But if we will tell our husband or our wife, what the, the good qualities, what we see in them, and what we want them to be in the marriage, and we, we verbalize that, they will become, because that's what they hear that they mm-hmm. are. When a wife is cherished, she will melt 
it melts their heart. When she's cherished, I, I, I don't mean that in a, in a false way or in, okay, well, let me just, let, let me just indulge her, or dote over her. But when a wife is cherished, that night, and we're using this example because it's, it's, it's a simple example, but that night, instead of me fighting with her, I cherished her, I cared for her opinion, I listened to her, and she respected me. I need respect as a husband. Husbands are motivated by their wife respecting them, their wife looking up to them, their wife feeling like, we're, a, we're an important and most important person in their life here on earth. And a woman needs to be loved and cherished and needs to be cared for and needs to know that there's nobody, and my wife knows this and has known it for many years, there's no one on the earth that I would rather be with than my wife. I love being with my wife. Does that make a difference in how you relate to me? Absolutely. It, it makes the whole process easier. Actually, it makes it pleasant because it, it flows spontaneously. So we do need respect one for another. And we also need another step here, which happened that night, and it's called forgiveness. That's a hard area for all of us. Humanity struggles with the words, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Don't we? Let's be honest, right? Taking responsibility. Especially when, it's a, when there's an issue between two people who really do care for each other above any other relationship, somehow it seems the hardest here than in any of our other relationships. But we need to understand the importance of these words found in Ephesians 4.32. That's what we love about the Word of God. It is so basic. It's so practical. You cannot get around the simplicity of the Scriptures. And it's very direct to our heart. It's exactly what we need. And this is what it says. Be ye kind one to another. Is that a hard thing? To be kind to each other? Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You know, if I would have held on to my hurt feelings and continued to allow those thoughts to go around and feel that I had been humiliated and that it was his fault and that it was intentional and he shouldn't have been such a fool to do this, the, the separation between us could have lasted a long time. And the more we have that and the more those thoughts circulate in our head without forgiveness, you know what? They get bigger. They get uglier. They get harder to manage. And the next thing you know, you have created in the one you love a monster. And that's how you view him or her. So God wants us to learn to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. When he says, honey, I'm sorry, I accept that. It's not to, it's not to say, well, you didn't prove it to me, or you did it last week, or you did this or that, and we're not keeping score. We need to hear those words and accept them and believe them. Because our big problem is, is that oftentimes in a marriage, we sometimes go back and have the same hurts or misunderstandings again and again and again, don't we? And there's a temptation for us to think, yeah, but he, he did that last week and he said he was sorry. And he did something else and he said he was sorry. And that other thing over there, a few, you know, last month with his buddy, that's another one. And so we start adding these things up and we have an unforgiving heart. 
Aren't we glad that God doesn't treat us the way we treat our spouse? Amen. Because even though we may have been hurt by our spouse, intentionally or unintentionally, did you hear that? Unintentionally as it was that night, we can grow at it. We can make it, try to convince ourselves it's intentionally. But unintentionally or intentionally, either way, we need God's forgiveness operated in our lives. Or we will destroy our relationships. And we will be miserable. And I always question, why live miserably? I mean, we can choose a different way. We can choose to live happily. We can choose to be in love. And it's so much better choice rather than choosing to be miserable. So be forgiving. Because God doesn't treat us by what we deserve. He treats us from a, uh, a love that is unconditional and everlasting. And he doesn't kick us or boot us out or say, I'm not going to do that until you prove to me that you're going to be different. He accepts us each time. And he draws us by his love. He opens his arms to us. He draws us to him because he has a heart to love and to forgive. And we need to learn that godly forgiveness in our marriage. You know, what happens to the natural heart is when things begin to go wrong, if we're just in the me focus, protecting myself, and I hope tonight that when you leave here and as we go through the rest of the weekend that the Holy Spirit will help you recognize when you're in the me focus and the difference between being in the me focus it's all about me, it's all my perspective it's about where I live in the world and you fit it around me and moving into the us focus but what happens in the me focus is that communication begins to break down and it gets easier not to communicate than to communicate through it okay Because what starts to happen is that when we come out of our corners of misunderstanding, we usually come out of them hoping the other person has changed. (laughs) Oh, Lord, please help that. Please help my wife to understand me. Please, Lord, help my wife to understand me. I mean, just help open her eyes. And then we come out of our corner. Maybe it's been a few hours or or whatever, and hopefully it's not days. We've known people that have gone many days weeks in cold wars no communication so we come out of our corners and we still come out of them in the me focus because we're hoping and and sometimes yes praying that that person will change because then i can be happy again lord we want a happy home change her god needs to change me and if we'll come out of the corner ready to listen ready to understand, ready to say, I want us to be a better marriage. I want us to have the best communication. If we'll come out of the corner with God and we're praying, Lord, open my heart, open my understanding, open my eyes, that I can be what my wife needs. And we communicate with a desire, and and this may sound very simplistic, but we've seen this work with many people, not just us is to drop everything you've been fighting about, everything you can't communicate about, and come out of your corners and start over new with some basic changes in your communication. Okay? Start over new. Start over coming out with a willingness to listen with understanding. Come out being willing to change. Come out being willing to be us instead of Fit, fit to my needs. 
and come out with a willingness to start giving words that are encouraging words instead of looking at the faults and the defects. And that was discussed earlier today in the line of parenting. But why we have so much trouble as parents is because we have so much trouble here. If we, if we practice these principles in our marriage, they will be a natural outflow in our parenting to our children. So be positive. Speak positive to your spouse. I tell my husband every day, more than once, sometimes many times, honey, I really love you. Do you like that? Absolutely. Do men like that? Now, Paul said this morning, men don't necessarily like to hear that they're loved. Well, this man does. <laughs> The men want to know they're respected, and that's true. So we wives have to look for other ways. I tell him that every day, but that's not the only thing I say. I also make comments like, honey, you are so thoughtful and kind. I really appreciate that. He might have done one thing, but it was an act of kindness. Capture it. Express it. You know what it does? It really makes me feel like I'd like to do more kind things. (laughs) Yeah, it feels good, right? I tell him, honey, I I really love your tenderness. Guess what? The more I communicate that, the more tender he becomes. The more softened he becomes. The more gentle is his responses to me. And sometimes, even in difficult things, we see the difference. They're coming through. Because we are learning to communicate on the positive. So what do we want to communicate? on the positive and we will grow into that we were in meetings in australia in january walking into the church and my husband said something to me i not i'm not remembering he ever had said before but i tell you what it stopped me in my tracks now they're really wondering what could this be (laughs) 32 years of marriage and he said honey you look stunning today how do you think that made me feel? Stunning. <laughs> Stunned was what the first reaction was, because that's not... My husband has a fabulous vocabulary, but he also likes to use certain words often. And he, for many years, the, the main... Well, in the early years, it was you're a good cook, 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 good cook. Sorry, I lost track of that. But I needed more than being a good cook. And then that was only about the first six months. I yeah, got you quit that, that. Yeah, but then he went through a stage, and the word was wonderful, and I like it. I like to be You're wonderful. Still for wonderful, him. and I know that. And you say that, but I, I do. You said, believe me? Yes, I do. Okay, good. I said, honey, what other words do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he has all kind of words because he he has an incredible vocabulary, and I don't so. Anyway, maybe you're just doing it because you know I'm simple-minded and I don't have a big vocabulary so I could capture that. But that day when he said that, that was an incredible statement. What do you think that did in my heart? Did it make me feel proud? Not, not, in, the, not in the wrong way. I was so happy to be his wife. It melted my heart. My whole being was melted. And actually I felt like, let's, let's just go. <laughs> But, we were in the middle of a seminar. <laughs> that, that was the other part that, was, that stunned her, is that I, we have a term in our marriage. It's called meeting mode. Yeah, meeting mode. She says to me, honey, have you gone into meeting mode yet? 
That means that because I tend to be more single-focused, at a certain point, happens almost everywhere, at a certain point... We're in lots of meetings, by the way, you guys. As we get a certain point to just about ready to start the meetings, I switch into what she calls meeting mode. Now, it's not something I consciously do, but my focus, I'm locked in. Here Oklahoma camp meeting. That's his focus, and that's good. That didn't happen in that situation. Yeah, and it that's shocked why, her that's that why I, I was stunned. <laughs> that I wasn't in meeting mode. Yeah. And, and I said that to her. That's right. And I said, honey, you are amazing. So let's look for words that encourage the other. When we start expressing our thoughts in positive ways, when we start expressing honest, positive comments, we will both grow into that. Isn't that a good thing? Why, do you think that could be the reason why God inspired the Apostle Paul to write that scripture in Philippians, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely and pure and just and holy and think? Yeah, because we naturally think negative thoughts. We naturally look at the clouds in the sky instead of the sunshine that's there. So we need to communicate daily on a positive level. And I just realized that we're running out of time. You have 48 seconds. Okay. The last area that we didn't really get to cover, but it's so important, and that is praying together. It, it has been one of the most powerful parts of, of our growing ourselves together is praying out loud together at night. It's, it's powerful. And, you know, the Bible says that we shouldn't allow the sun to go down on our anger. Ephesians 4, 26. Let not the sun go down on our wrath. You know, it's a wonderful thing that, that if you don't want that to happen, if you pray together before you go to bed, you can't go to bed mad. You can't go to bed angry because it's really hard to pray out loud together if you're upset at each other. And so we don't have to go to bed upset. When we close the day, we can close the day together in prayer with the Lord. And everything is taken care of. That's right. Father in heaven, Thank you for marriage. Thank you for instituting it right there along with the, the blessed Sabbath day. Thank you for recognizing that it's not good for, for man to be alone and giving us a helpmate. Father, I pray that we would love the one by our side, that we would love each other, the way that you can put that love in our hearts, that we would move out of the selfish me focus and that we would allow you to work in us that beautiful us focus that knits our hearts together. Lord, you know the situations of every person out here tonight. You know the selfishness of every heart. You know the desire. You know that we're tired of the results of selfishness. Please help us to turn to you, to open our hearts to you, to open our marriages to you, to open ourselves so that we can have a marriage that's heart to heart, that we can have a marriage that's the best it can be Amen. in the strength of Jesus Christ, that our marriages can really represent something of that union between Jesus and his people. 
that we can have marriages that encourage people around us, that encourage our children, first of all, that there is really life-changing power available through Jesus Christ. The power to change my own parents, that power can change me as a child, as a young person. Oh, Lord, help our marriages to be a blessing to each other and to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.